0: Hello, my name is Paul Landless, and I'm one of the co heads of our tech group. Welcome to the Clifford Chance Talking Tech at Singapore Fintech Festival podcast. This is our third uh, session uh, with a collection of our associates across our tech group worldwide from London, New York, Washington, Hong Kong, Singapore, and other offices. And uh, I want to kick off with our first. Uh, session, which I actually missed. This was the New Zealand Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, which uh, Alison, you you joined. What were the main messages from from her around building a a green digital economy? Uh, Thanks,
1: Paul. Uh, Yeah, so Prime Minister uh, Jacinda Ardern, uh, she touched on the broader topic of the digital economy. Um, One of the key aspects that she mentioned Uh, was that countries uh, really have to come together to set new global standards and norms. Because ultimately, for many people, uh, this is going to be, or rather this is, a new way of living and uh, doing business. So an example uh, of cross-border collaboration is the Digital Economy Partnership Agreement, which uh, Singapore, New Zealand and I believe Chile have signed. Um, So this agreement is intended to be what is termed a living agreement, uh, in that it is intended to change, to n- incorporate not only new members, uh, but of course, uh, new technologies. So in a similar way, because of the speed at which uh, things change now, um, a digital economy uh, also needs to be adaptable. Um, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern also brought up uh, environmental sustainability as a key building block, uh, I guess quite in line with the green finance being uh, a focus of the festival. And essentially, uh, we can't build a digital economy at the cost of the, the physical uh, natural world. Um, if not, it's sort of like a ready player one situation where people live their lives in the digital world rather than the, the physical one. Um, but what struck me most about her, her keynote uh, was her emphasis on the digital economy being people focused. Uh, ultimately, it has to be uh, for people and I guess with the excitement around digitalization and fintech, uh, this can be easy to forget. Um, so she sort of built on uh, Bill Gates, uh, his fireside chat on inclusion uh, the previous day. Uh, and she called for all kinds of people to be provided the opportunity to contribute to and benefit from the digital economy. And I mean, I guess this means not just the ones in the Silicon Valleys of the world. Uh, and she mentioned um, people in rural com- communities, um, ethnic minorities as well as women as being uh, persons that need to be included in this uh, digital economy.
0: Thanks, Alison. And uh, you mentioned the, the the Bill Gates session. Uh, a, a lot of the themes too were repeated. We covered that in our last podcast. And, and, and Andrew, let me turn to you also in Singapore, Andrew um again you're on the you're on the last podcast and, and you've been looking at various topics on payments and, and you had some interesting ones we spoke last time about the amex podcast the amex panel um that you attended on, on this one what did you what did you take away for, for these sessions
2: thanks paul it's uh i think there are two big takeaways from the the sessions i attended Uh, The first was something that everyone on this session agreed on. And on this session, we had um, Ryan McCurney from Visa. We had Anthony Eisen from Afterpay and Prajit Nanu from uh, Newman Singapore. And uh, they agreed that the definition of what it means to be banked is really being challenged and expanded. The traditional view was always that you get a customer in by a, a deposit account or a savings account, and then you you, you layer on other services uh, that he may take on. For example, a mortgage, uh, investment products, wealth management, etc. Um, they talked about how uh, nowadays you might actually bring in people into the banking ecosystem uh, in an entirely different ways. So to give one uh, example. New said that they they actually see e-commerce platforms as the creators of the banking ecosystem, and and how many people may not have a bank account, uh, but they may actually tap on Neum's uh, or related e-commerce platforms uh, to 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 buy products online, and and from there layers can be added to to offer other financial services. So I thought that was a really interesting theme running through these sessions. Uh, the other um, uh, interesting uh, subtext to these sessions was that there is no obvious singularity emerging yet uh in the payments world uh, whether it's in terms of platform or method uh so when it comes to platform you know depending on the currencies that you work in the geographies of your business uh whether you're looking at b2b or b2c or remittance you know your choice might differ from an air x or transfer wise uh, to a Neum. Uh, and Neum, of course, if you recall back in the day, was called Instarem, which gives a, oh, a- yeah.
0: To- I remember.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Paul, that's where they came from. Um, of course, they, they they do many more things nowadays. Um, and of course, we, you know, method of payment. It's we we still have a variety available. Uh, you could send USD on a plane across the world. Uh, I hear that can be faster than Swift sometimes. Um, you could of course rely on good old Swift, uh, good old credit cards. Um, or nowadays you might, you might turn to a TransferWise or a Wallax. Um, and in the future, maybe a, a stable coin. Um, and then of course, I think one interesting, uh, little nugget was, will payments one day become free? And, and TransferWise has always said that that's their goal. Um, and, and that's interesting because that, uh, going back to the first point, that may just mean that payments becomes that foundational layer to make someone banked. Uh, and then you introduce them to other verticals um, so yeah those were the two big takeaways
0: wow so totally free payments totally free transfer as well um
2: one day, one day. maybe
0: one day um i, I want to move from singapore to washington and, and bring in david david adams who uh joined one of the centers on green finance with henry Paulson, um another one of the star speakers of the week uh, David um you, you talked about on the lo- the last podcast this 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 whole um digital ecosystem where where we're seeing ground up um programmers you know driving in the defi space this new uh, entirely new model around um different discrete financial products being distributed uh and this whole expansionist system driven by those programmers what, what was Henry Paulson's take on that when you're looking at green finance and, 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 and ESG? How does he see technology uh, and the power around financial inclusion and access from an ESG perspective? What were the main themes in your panel?
3: Yeah, so I think one of the main themes uh, was, so the Paulson Institute, uh, which Mr. Paulson now heads up, recently put out, a paper called Financing Nature Closing the Global Biodiversity Financing Gap. Um, it was endorsed by, among others, John Kerry, who, as some may know, is the incoming climate czar for the Biden administration. And I think that what Mr. Paulson was really trying to drive home is that you know there is a gap, according to his paper, and the paper itself basically tried to put a, a price tag essentially on the cost of not doing, uh, how much it would cost to address the current extinction events and other issues of biodiversity created around the world by corporates um, and various types of industries, including agriculture and others. Um, he, He estimated that cost to be around $800 billion. And I think what he was, what Mr. Paulson was really driving at during his discussion was we're going to need, and it goes back to this concept of a private-public partnership, but that, but, but, but private companies are going to have to do their part. And I think where Paulson sees fintech coming into that, he didn't talk a lot about it, but I think where he sees it coming in is with the type of innovation that we are seeing in the DeFi space. Uh, new apps coming out, ways to track your carbon footprint, um, so on and so forth. I think that he's, it, it was almost a call in some ways, I felt like, for, um, for millennials and people who care about the climate um, and, it, and the fact that it's changing, to to step up and to, and to help and to design apps and programs that help people track um, their use of uh, disposable items, carbon footprint, like I said, etc. Um, and I think it I think this I think it came at a really interesting time, actually, for what for what's going on in the U.S. around uh, ESG specifically. Um, at the SEC, uh, because it ties into this whole concept of public companies doing a little bit more. I mean, you've had a lot, uh, you've had uh, recently SEC commissioners kind of squabbling and fighting about how much ESG should factor in, ESG factors should feature, for example, in public company reporting. Um, so 10-Ks, 10-Qs, et cetera, how much climate risk should be assessed and discussed in those documents, in, in those particular, in uh, various disclosure documents, and even the extent to which investment advisors here in the United States should be should be adopting specific policies and procedures around their ESG practices, uh, spearheaded by um, Allison Lee, who is the most senior Democrat on the commission, and and some have some have said may become an interim uh, chairperson of the commission uh, when the Biden administration comes in in uh, in early next year, and potentially even could hold the seat. Uh, indefinitely, although it's all speculation. So I think that his speech was in the release of his paper was very well timed. Um, the fact I that it was that this paper was endorsed by John Kerry was not lost on me, and I'm sure not lost on many others. And I think it's really <laughs> a part of that push to uh, to push the U.S. in a more uh, to towards a more ESG sensitive um, society, really, because uh, up until now. Yes, the U.S. frankly has lagged behind the EU uh, with their disclosure requirements, the recent taxonomy, et cetera. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was it was a really interesting discussion uh, from a bit, from a very uh, well respected and distinguished um, person here in the United States and I think around the world as well.
0: Thank you, David. I'm Paul Landless, and you've been listening to the Clifford Chance Talking Tech team. Uh, at the Singapore FinTech Festival. If you want to hear this podcast or uh, any of our other podcasts, please just go to our Clever Chance Talking Tech page. This podcast is not legal advice, so please reach out to us uh, for uh, specific advice on any particular question, and we'd be happy to help. Thanks.